Josh uh, reminded us, we've been studying the commandments and the exhortations that Jesus himself preached when he was here on earth ministering and as recorded for us in the Gospels. If you've been following along, you've noted the last several sets of topics have had a pretty good connection. A brother noted to me last week, there's a lot of overlap between these topics, which is good. Helps us emphasize things and remember things. We started, if you recall, with a series of commandments that related to perhaps the most important aspect of our relationship with the Lord Jesus, and that's namely having a relationship with him at all in the first place. We learned about repentance and then about following the Lord and then entering through the narrow door. After that, we touched on some of Jesus' commandments that relate to our relationships with one another. Loving our enemies, loving our neighbors, and loving one another. And we were reminded about Jesus' exhortation to forgive one another as well. The more recent topics that we've been looking at, you might say, can be connected to our service for the Lord as his followers and the type of life and walk and perspective that we should seek to have as we lay aside our own will and present ourselves to him for his use. We were reminded of the importance of being genuine and not practicing our righteousness in order to be seen and honored by others, but rather doing it before the Lord. We also learned about the importance of humility, the attitude and practice of storing up treasures in heaven and not on earth, and how to be a faithful steward of all the things that the Lord has entrusted to us, whether they be resources or time or abilities family, spiritual gifts, etc. So today, along the same lines, we're going to take a look at the Lord's commandment to give. We'll review some of the passages that were outlined in the study guide that the speakers received, as well as some others that also touch on this important topic. But before we do that, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless his word to us and give us grace to accept even the more difficult commands that our Savior gave us. Father, we come before you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and as was already asked, we again seek to have your help and your wisdom and your guidance for us as we look to your word, as we open your scriptures Lead us and teach us by the Holy Spirit, we pray. Ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we'll look at five passages together, five passages. I'm going to look at them all at once, one after the other. We'll read through them, and then we'll discuss three aspects of giving that I think we can learn from these passages. We'll start in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, and we'll begin reading in verse 12. Luke 14 and verse 12. 
And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Next, let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and we'll start reading in verse 31. Matthew 25 and verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. (coughs) For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison? And did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now back to Luke chapter 12 this time. Luke chapter 12. start reading in verse 13. Luke 12 and verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, Beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not, e- for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. 
And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Turn now to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Almost done. Genesis 14 and verse 13. Then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, and these were allies with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he let out his trained men born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. Then after his return from the defeat of Shadorleomar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, Now he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take not a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours, for fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their share. And lastly, just to give you practice and flipping around in your Bible, back to Luke one more time. Luke chapter 6 for one verse. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. 
And as we've prayed, we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word this morning. The first aspect of giving that I'd like to look at with you relates to our perspective. When we consider Christian giving, what should be our perspective? Let's turn back in our minds and in your Bibles, if you'd like, to the passage we just read in Genesis 14. If you know the story, you know Abraham set out and rescued his brother and his brother's goods from the raiders that had come and taken them. But he also rescued the others that had been taken captive at the same time and brought back all of their goods as well. And we read in Genesis 14 that a very special priest whose name was Melchizedek and referred to there as priest of God Most High met Abraham while he was returning and blessed him. God's word tells us both in Genesis 14 and more clearly even in Hebrews chapter 7 that Abram gave this priest Melchizedek a tithe or a tenth of the goods that he had recovered. Abraham gave that tithe to Melchizedek. But you will hopefully have noted how God is referred to in this passage, and that's what I want to emphasize. Both Melchizedek and then later Abram refer to God as God Most High, Possessor of Heaven and Earth. Possessor of Heaven and Earth. There is a question here in this passage of some earthly goods, right? First, belonging to Lot and his fellow townspeople, then taken by raiders, reclaimed by Abraham, tithed upon to Melchizedek, and then offered by the king of Sodom to Abraham as a tribute, and then refused or not accepted by Abram. But behind all this is the recognition that God Most High is possessor of heaven and earth. All things belong to him, and there is therefore nothing that anyone can take from him or give to him. We sang that little chorus this morning, He Owns the Cattle on a Thousand Hills. Some parts of that, I think, can be misconstrued, but that first verse of that chorus, I think, is accurate in light of these things, that he is possessor of heaven and earth. And this morning we read from Psalm chapter 24, I don't know how many of you remember that first verse of that psalm, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world, and those who dwell in it. So when we give, let us remember that our God, whom we serve, who calls us to give freely and without expectation of repayment or recognition or honor or fame, this God possesses all things. He calls us to give and yet he possesses all things. He desires that we freely give, but he doesn't require or need or depend on our resources or effort or time. They are already 
his. And furthermore, we could never bankrupt such a God, even if we give all, as the widow did who put her last two mites into the treasury, we will never exhaust his resources. I was thinking about that widow. She put in two mites, and the Lord Jesus and his disciples were observing. They were sitting across from the treasury, and they saw her put in two mites. But what normal humans would not have been able to see is what the Lord revealed, is that she was putting in everything that she had, right? If you saw somebody put two pennies into that box in the back there, would you think that was everything they had? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't think that. But the Lord knew. Even if we give all, we will never exhaust his resources. It's an important perspective for us to have. When we give on behalf of God, we're giving on behalf of a God who possesses all things. He possesses all things. He freely gives to us. And we could never outgive Him. Before we leave the idea of perspective, let's look at another aspect. We read the well-known passage in Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. The followers of Jesus, those that were the righteous ones, that were the sheep in that story, were surprised when he glorified them for clothing him and feeding him and caring for him in sickness and in prison. This saying confused them until he explained the simple truth Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And this is another important thing for us to have in perspective. When we give to brothers and sisters in Christ that are in need, and it doesn't have to be money, and often it must be more than just money, other resources that we have, effort, time, encouragement, and the list goes on. We are caring for the Lord's body, his people, his church, his body. The opportunity to give comes along quite a bit more often than we might care to admit. All the time. And it often requires real sacrifice. Not more than we can bear, and certainly not more than the Lord can repay, but certainly, often, more than we want. When we're tempted to hold back, let's remember the Lord's words in this passage. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was sick. I was in prison. So with that perspective in mind, let's look next at what we can learn from these passages about how we practice giving. How we practice giving. The Lord gives some difficult commands in the Gospels, but he provides us with grace and power through the Holy Spirit to walk in his will. 
But he also graciously gives us some real practical and simple advice to follow. And we often like to ignore it. We talk about how difficult and sometimes how esoteric or hard to understand some of the Lord's words are, but he gives us some very simple examples and some very practical advice. We'll go back a couple of weeks. We saw, for example, how the Lord explained being genuine when performing righteous acts like giving or fasting or praying. He gave the practical advice of doing it in secret to whatever extent is possible in each situation. He didn't just say, do it before the Lord and not before men and be genuine. He gave practical advice. To whatever extent is possible, do it in secret. Simple, practical advice. Similarly here, we have some similar practical advice. It doesn't apply in every situation, but it gives us a guidepost to understand the Lord's teaching. When you give a feast, he says, don't invite those who can repay you. In other words, don't do it to curry favor with other people, favor of any sort. Think of those who have a need, maybe for food, but let's face it, oftentimes these days it's a need for fellowship, a need for your time, a need for your attention, and invite them. This example certainly doesn't cover all cases of giving, but it gives us an understanding of the Lord's heart and thinking on the matter of giving. Another thing we see about how we are to practice giving is this, with generosity. In Luke 6, we read, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I know Scott's talked a lot about this here before, and hopefully it's lodged into your brains as well as it's lodged into mine. But you'll note in these words that there isn't care being taken here to ensure that only what is necessary is being allotted. Rather, there's almost almost a careless generosity that's happening here. A willingness to spill some. An earnest effort to pack the container full and to overflowing. We'll talk more about that passage later on as well. Lastly, when it comes to our practice of giving, we're clearly warned about hoarding. The teaching about the man who stores up his grain begins with a very interesting phrase. I don't know if you noticed it. We covered that passage. Is that the one in Matthew? No, Luke chapter 12 begins with a very interesting phrase. He told them a parable, Luke 12, verse 16, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. The land of a rich man was very productive. I think another translation would say, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. 
the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Dear brothers and sisters, when we see a blessing that we had not expected, ought we not to consider first how the Lord might desire to use us? Why has our Lord provided this unexpected investment into our care? Rather than looking to tear down our barns and build bigger, let's pray about wisdom and understanding to know how the Lord would want us to administer his goods and his blessings. If you catch yourself hoarding, think about what the Lord would have you to do with the extra that you have. And again, an important thing to consider in all of this is it's not always money. It can be time. There's times in our life when we have very little of it, and there's times in our life when we have more of it. It can be energy and effort and help and and resources other than money, tools that we have or things that we have that others need and can use. Finally, let's talk a little bit about payback. This is an odd word to use in this context, I know. I have to admit, after talking about our perspective on giving and then talking about the practice of giving, I was looking around for words that start with P, and I settled on payback. But I think you'll get the point in a few moments here. We've heard teaching in recent weeks about storing treasure up for ourselves in heaven. In fact, some of these passages came uh, very close to the passages that we looked at uh, today. A little bit later on in, in Luke chapter 12, in verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But clearly, we can't make literal deposits of U.S. dollars into some heavenly bank, can we? How then do we do this? How do we store up this treasure in heaven? We also heard recently about being good stewards and investing those golden talents that the Master has entrusted to us so that there would be a return on the investment. We heard about the Master who returned after a long time and expected a return on the investment. Does the Lord really expect that the money that he's entrusted to us, we're going to turn around and give him that money with a return on the investment? Is that what it means? Is that what the passage is teaching? How does all of this tie together? Hopefully from our study today, the answers are clear and simple. When we give to our brothers and sisters in need, as we saw earlier, we're giving to the Lord himself. We saw in the first passage, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. 
We also saw in Luke 6, and I told you we would come back to look at this, that with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Or in the translation I read, with the same standard of measure that you use, it shall be returned to you. And perhaps some of that comes in this earthly life, but we should really be thinking about the rewards of heaven. I don't know what they'll be like. I wish I did, but I don't. But I know some things. I know, as we just read in Luke 12 and the verses around verse 33, that neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves cannot break in and steal. Imperishable rewards. It said there in that verse, make yourselves money belts which do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven. Many people struggle with these passages and with this concept because it feels like it feels wrong to some folks to think about working for a reward. We're working to serve God and we're working to please Him and it feels like we should not be seeking after payment or wages or even a reward of some tangible sort. But God says very clearly in these passages that he will give a reward. And when we serve him here, when we give of ourselves here, when we provide from our resources, from what we have, from our extra, from our time, from our energy, from our effort that we could keep for ourselves and use for ourselves and we give it for others, there is a spiritual reward that comes with that. And that's part of the investment that we're making in that heavenly bank. That's part of the return on the investment of that resources and that time and that energy that God has given us. Because when we help others, it bears fruit in their lives. And the example that we set cascades and bears fruit in the lives of more and more and more people. And the gospel spreads and more people see the love of Christ manifest through his servants and come to trust in him. And that investment multiplies better than any stock market. Never any recession there. And so this is how our giving is connected to some of the other teaching that we have seen. And let's consider those heavenly rewards. Imperishable rewards given by the one whom we serve and aim to please above all else. And you have to ask yourself, what will be sweeter on that day? Will it be the reward? I don't know what it is, so I have no idea. (laughs) Or will it be the notion that God himself is graciously communicating his pleasure and favor towards us for what we have done for him. 
Of course, we've done it for him by his own power, by his own grace, and by his own working in our life. It is only through that that we can do anything good. And so it seems even more crazy that he would deign to reward us for the things that we do. We know that he works through us and does them through us by the power of his own Holy Spirit. And in and of ourselves, we can do nothing good. And yet he's so gracious and so loving that he deigns to reward us for these things anyway. When we have an opportunity to give, and it is hard, and it is painful, and it takes our time and our energy and our strength and our patience, and sometimes we do it weakly or grudgingly, and after much prompting, perhaps by the Holy Spirit, perhaps through the Holy Spirit's working through others, let us look forward to the blessing of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, when he speaks to us and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but that might be better, even slightly sweeter than whatever other form the reward would take. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truths in your word that remind us that you desire that we give to one another. Father, we thank you for the unbelievably clear teaching that the Lord Jesus gave that when we do it to the least of one of these, his brothers and sisters, we do it as if it were unto him. It's hard to think of our Lord and Savior being hungry, being thirsty, being sick and being in prison, and being naked and being a stranger. But we know that these things happen in this world, and they happen to our brothers and sisters in Christ all the time. It's all around us. We just pray that you would give us the strength to be used by you to give whatever is needed with good measure. And Father, we do thank you that you choose to use us in this way. We thank you for the food that's downstairs, yet another reminder to us of your gracious provision for us. We pray that you would bless it to us. Pray that you would bless us the rest of this day and ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I finished a little early, so I don't know if they're done down there, so maybe chat amongst yourselves for a little bit before you...